Wow, can we give the media team a hand clap for that wonderful video? Wow. God bless you, media team, and under the direction of our brother Jeffrey Dion and also the work of our brother Robert Brown. And thank you also for the praise and worship team for just blessing us and leading us. Their mission is, just in case you don't know, their mission is to lead us into the transformative presence of God. Well, of course, we have our weekly question for our uh, children, 17 years old and under. And here is the question, again, for the Dunkin' Donuts gift card. So here's the question, and you can put the answer, send the answer to the email located at the bottom of the screen. And that is, um, I said last week that black women pave a way. So the question is, what does PAVE stand for? That is, what does the P, the A, the V, and the E stand for? So fill that out and send your answer to the email address below. Uh, before I read uh, my scripture, uh, I do have, and I made sure this was written down, um, we, or I should say, am doing a sermon disclaimer right now. And that is uh, what I'm about to say is what I call PG-13 language and information after my prayer, but before my first point. Again, after my prayer, but before my first point. So uh, it may not be appropriate for younger viewers in our audience. And so, as they say in, on the movies, when you're watching television, viewer discretion is advised. And so parents, feel free to send your children or your child to another room at this time, or be prayerful and be prepared for how you will debrief and reflect on the sermon with your child. Okay, so just want you to know that after I pray, but before my first point, you may want to um, send your child out of the room for a moment, and then you bring him back in once I start my first point. Ruth chapter 1, verse 19, 20, and 21, and I'm reading from the, the um, English Standard Version. So the two of them, that is Ruth and Naomi, Naomi and Ruth, went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman of the town said, is this Naomi? She said to them, don't, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me? And the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. I want to speak to you on the subject, Black Woman, Part 2, and the title of this sermon is Pandemic Pain. Pandemic Pain. Father, we, I pray that my speech and my preaching will not be with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but demonstration of spirit and power that 
our faith will not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. And then I borrow Paul's prayer from Hebrews chapter two, verse four, that you would also bear witness to my preaching, both with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to your own will. And I also borrow the prayer of Paul from Ephesians chapter one. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Let the eyes of the understanding of our hearts be enlightened so that we would know the hope of your calling. And Father, I thank you that you are blessing us with a thousand subscribers and you are also blessing us with a thousand attenders to our ministry. We bless you and give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, as you may not be aware of, as you can see, I got on my October pink. My October pink. You may say, well, what's October pink? You may not realize it, but October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And so I want to give a shout out to my mom, who is a breast cancer uh, survivor. It's going on now 39 years. Praise the name of the Lord. I also want to give a shout out to my sister, uh, Sharon Ward. This is uh, Bishop Larry Ward's uh, sister. She is a cancer survivor and a breast cancer survivor. And finally, I want to give a shout out to my sister, Sandra Eady. She is Brother Cameron's wife. She is also a survivor. And so if you know somebody who is a breast cancer survivor or just a cancer survivor, period, why don't you send them a chat or send them a text to let them know that you know, we are so grateful that God has spared your life. Amen. And so uh, I want to remind you that last week we spoke about on the subject that black women pave a way. Black women pave a way. That is black women, uh, women who pray, black women, uh, women who a, the woman of action. Three black women are women who vote, and I'm not talking about simply November, the first Tuesday in November, but I'm borrowing from the Latin definition of the word vote, which actually means devote or completely vowed, completely uh, committed. Black women find something to take a risk with and they stake their life in it. They're, they're not half-hearted. They don't, they don't, they're not, uh, as, as the Bible says, in Revelations, where God says, I wish you were hot or cold, but you're just lukewarm. No, black women are all in. And then finally, black women make sure they are an example. And there's so many times, so many uh, children, and particularly male and female, can look to their moms. I know I can look to my mom, my natural mom, and also my mother-in-law, who's now passed away, and I have saw them as an example of woman who, who prayed and who walked with God. So uh, as you remember, probably about two months ago now, month of August, um, I prayed, it was my prayer that Joe Biden would choose a black woman to be his running mate for vice president of the United States as he is now the candidate. And I, I said that because I felt that if he chose a black woman, it would at least begin the process towards healing 
in our nation, particularly this, what we would call this uh, racial pandemic. And by the grace of God, he chose a black woman. And we know the woman he chose was Kamala Harris. But what happened really got me angry. And you said, what, what got you angry? As soon as he announced Kamala Harris to be his vice president candidate, the next day, in fact, it was the same day, this billboard was put up. And the billboard that was put up is a billboard that basically said, Joe and the hoe. And I'm usually not one to get like angry when I'm watching TV, but I was so angry. And the re and, and and folks, this billboard, I'm not talking about a placard that's put on someone's lawn. I'm talking about a billboard on a main street. And as much as we want to pat ourselves on the back, this billboard was not in, let's say, Alabama or Louisiana or some state that you would consider, you know, a strong Republican uh, stronghold or, or Trump country. No, this billboard was put in Massachusetts. I was so furious that I actually considered driving to the town where the billboard was and vandalizing it. I was so angry. And you would say, well, why are you so angry? Because it gets worse. And then last month, those of you who follow sports, there's an a excellent uh, sports analyst, female. She's a millennial, about 35 years old. Her name is Maria Taylor. And Maria Taylor, uh, she, was she works for ESPN and she ESPN and the the very first NFL game of the season she was the sideline reporter for an NFL game which you need to understand this is a huge assignment for a woman let alone a black woman well a a white sports announcer radio announcer in Chicago, I'm not even gonna mention his name, he got fired. And the reason why he got fired is because he made a comment about her and he basically said this, she is dressed like, and he named these initials. And I was like, okay, these initials must be pretty bad because he got fired for this. So I Googled what the initials meant, and I discovered that the initials meant is stand for, you saw like there's the Emmy Awards and the Oscar Awards. This initials is an award given for a person who is a porn star. And so he basically said she's dressed like a person who was starring in a pornographic movie. And my attitude is, why is it that you don't hear this kind of stuff when 
they talk about other women. And you may say, well, all right, I can understand why you were upset. And I said, and my attitude is, no, you don't understand why I was upset. Because you see, what you need to understand is that I have three black women in my house. My wife, my beautiful wife of over 37 years, my two daughters, one going to be 31, the other one's going to be 28 next month. And, and so my attitude was when, when they called Kamala Harris a hoe, when they said Maria Taylor is dressed like a porn star, my attitude is that you were talking about my wife and my daughter. And my point is, and we're going to talk about it next week, that black men need to stand up for your mothers, your sisters, and your daughters. But we'll talk about that next week. Don't get me started up in here. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about five points, and you can bring your children back in. <laughs> in seasons of pain, black women must remember to book God first. In seasons of pain, black women must remember to put God first. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you as well. That is the NIV version. And what do you mean that black women should put God first? By first, I mean, I mean, number one, black women need to understand that F, God holds your future. I, only God can give you your identity. R, God you serve is a God of restoration. He will restore, Joel chapter 2, verse 25, God has the ability to restore years that the canker worm has eaten. S, whatever you produce must be produced to S, serve God. And T, black women know how to give God T, thanks. So let's start with those, let's start with the F. Getting back to our story, and I, and I want to encourage you, the book of Ruth only has four chapters, and so I encourage you to just meditate on that book all week because it can really bless you. Um, I, I want to do a case study. Last week, I did a case study on Esther. Uh, today, I'm doing a case study. We're doing a case study together on Naomi, and then next week, we'll do a case study on Ruth. Now, Naomi, uh, there is a famine that hits the land of Israel, and she and her husband, Elkanah, they live uh, in the tribe, or you would say for, to us, the state of Judah in the town of Bethlehem. So they live in Bethlehem, Judah, and because of the plague of a famine, they decide to leave Bethlehem, Judah, leave the country of Israel, and they go to Moab. Moab is roughly about a three to four day journey, roughly about 60 to 80 miles away from where they live. Uh, 
I don't want to get into it, but you can read the history of Moab. In other words, they had no business going to Moab, but they did. And so uh, Naomi faithfully follows her husband, Elkanah. And it's interesting that in the midst of a plague, they, they should have trusted God and stayed where they were because Elkanah's name in Hebrew means my God is king. This boy is ready to preach up in here. You see, you can't call God king and then say he's not the king over famine. He's not the king over the pandemic. God is the ruler of everything. And yet they went with their two sons, Malon and Kilion, to, uh, Beth, to uh, Moab. And you may say, Why, what, what was so bad about Moab? Well, Moab was so bad, and I don't want to get into history, but God was so angry about Moab that I think it's Deuteronomy chapter 3, where God says, I'm so upset with the Moabites that I don't want them in my congregation up to the 10th generation. Now, you know that's bad when God says, I don't want your grandma, your grandma, your great, great, grand. I don't want none of your grandmas in my house. That's how bad it was. So they go to Bethlehem, they go to Moab, and while in Moab, uh, sadly, Alcana dies. So now Naomi's a widow, but she still has her sons, you know, basically her Medicare. You know, they'll, they'll be able to take care of her in old age. Her sons get married to uh, Ruth and to Orpah. Ruth and Orpah, not Oprah. Orpah. And what happened was that after 10 years, Malon and Kilion, Naomi's sons, die. What, what, what tragedy, what pain. No mother should outlive their child. And yet she lost her husband, she lost her sons, and the only individuals left is her daughter-in-laws. Now, this is a testament to the type of life that Naomi left, Naomi had, because the Bible says that she heard that the Lord started blessing Israel again, and that the famine was gone, and harvest was back, and so she decided, I'm going to return back to my home, to my relatives, to my people, because there's really nothing, there's nobody here for me in Moab except for my daughter-in-laws. And what's impressive about her daughter-in-laws is that they said, and sometimes Oprah, Oprah, Orpah gets a bad rap, but we gotta remember, Orpah and Ruth decided that they would return to Bethlehem, Judah with uh, Naomi, which is pretty interesting that they probably knew how much the people of Israel did not like them. Now, the people of Israel were prejudiced against them. And yet, because of the life that Naomi lived over a decade, her consistency, her walk with God, that they said, no, we're going to go with you. But Naomi, having a heart and love for her daughter-in-law, said, look, Stay here with your people and stay here with your, with your idols, your gods, because, hey, even if I had a child now, even if I had sons now, you, you couldn't wait and for them to grow up so you can get married. Stay with your people. And they, were, and they both wept, and Orpah returned back to her home with her people. 
But Ruth says, and you know that, some of you know that famous verse in Ruth chapter 1, verse 17. She says, I will not leave you. She says, wherever you go, I'll go. Where you, where you die, I will die. And this is the powerful part. She said, your people, even though they don't like me, they're going to be my people. And your God, my God. In other words, you live such a powerful life and you are such an example before me, Naomi. I mean, yeah, Naomi, that I am willing to leave my gods, my gods, and be committed to your God. Here's a question I want to ask you. Are you living a kind of life that the unbeliever can say, I want to follow your God? So you have Naomi who has this young lady, Ruth, who says, I'm going to stand with you. You see, the name Ruth is a Hebrew, well, it's not a Hebrew, I guess a Hebrew name. It, it, it's translated to mean friend or companion. And the Bible says, I'm going to change the words a little bit, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a sister. And some of you know, you have some friends like, yeah, that's my girlfriend or that's my woman friend, but you may say, uh, uh, but she's more than, she's, no, she's more than my friend. She's my sister. She, she, mm, she will stick with me through dark times. Now, the question is not so much, the question is not so much, do you have a girlfriend, a woman friend, who will stick to you closer than a sister? Yeah, that's one question, but the question is, are you a sister to someone else? Oh, my, this boy's preaching up in here. Ah, and so she returns back to her hometown. It's probably been about, it's been over a decade, maybe, maybe 12, 15 years. And life has, my goodness, life has been so horrible, so rude, so tragic, so pandemic for Naomi that when she comes home, the, the town people are like, is, is, is that Naomi? And I'm quite sure some of us, we've gone back to our old neighborhoods and maybe we haven't seen a person in a long time and maybe they were like, you know, the, the, the good looking uh, person in high school or in college or whatever. And you come back and you're like, is, 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 wow, life has not been good to you. And, and so the point is, is that Naomi's back and, and I'm going to be bouncing around a little bit through the, the book, but. Naomi is a woman who understands pain. And yet in her pain, she gets herself to a place where she puts God first. What do you mean, Bishop? Well, first of all, black woman, when you put God first, you got to understand that God, that God has your future in his hands. Notice this. As, as bad as things are for Naomi, God says, no, I still got your future. Ruth chapter 4, verse 16, it says, then Naomi took the child and laid him on 
her lap. This is her grandson and became his nurse. And the woman of the neighborhood gave him, that is the baby, a name saying, notice, a son has been born to Naomi. My goodness, not Ruth. Naomi. And they named him Obed. And he became the father of Jesse. And he became the grandfather of King David. And it says, now these are the generations, this is verse 18, of the generations of Perez. Remember, I talked about Perez, which means breakthrough. And so my point is this, is that God, though he allowed her, sadly, to lose her husband and her two sons, God says, no, I got your future in my hands. No matter how tragic things are, Naomi, I got a future for you. And of course, many of you know Jeremiah 29, verse 11, where God says, I know the plans I have for you, said the Lord, a plans for a hope and a future. And I want to say to you, I don't care what you're going through right now. God has your future in his hands. You have got to, I have got to trust God. Do not allow yourself to be to be moved and broken by all that's going around you. Yes, it's tough, but God has your future in his hand. If you know what I'm talking about, why don't you just praise your God right where you are right now. God has your future in his hand. Secondly, uh, God also, do, mm, do not allow your circumstances to change God's identity of who you are. Woo, my goodness. You must come to Father God for your identity. She returns home, and she is so broken by tragedy, she says, do not call me Naomi anymore, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter, because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. The Lord has dealt bitterly with me. In other words, it, God has a deck of cards, and I thought he was going to give me the queen of hearts. I thought he was going to give me the queen of diamonds, and instead he gave me a joker. And so often we, we allow our, uh, our lives to be defined by our brokenness, by our tragedies, by our hurt. And God is saying, no, no, no. Do not allow your circumstances. Yes, I, yes, of course it's hard, but those are the facts. The truth is I still have you in my hand. I have my plans for you. And so do not allow your circumstances to define who you are. Our God will bring he will bring restoration. Believe that God will restore you. Ruth chapter 4, verse 14 to 15 says, Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. Her redeemer is going to be Boaz, who represents Jesus. And may his name, that is this child Obed, this her grandchild, be renowned in Israel, and he shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. Watch this. For your daughter-in-law Ruth, who loves you, is more to you than seven sons. More to you than seven sons. Listen to that. She lost two, but God restored her with seven. 
And I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that Ruth replaced the seven. What I'm saying is that God can bring such restoration that you, even in the midst of all that hurt, all the brokenness, all the prejudiceness, all the racism, all the things that would break you, God will bring enough restoration to your life that you can go on to victory. Can you say amen? For if whatever you produce, make sure what you produce serves God. Make sure your time, your talent, your treasure, and even your talk serve God. The Bible says here that when Naomi, when Ruth had the baby, the, the neighborhood woman named him Obed, which means servant. And here's the point I want to make. When, you, when God uses you to produce whatever you're producing, whether it's your, a company or whether it's a career, or when people see the fruit of your life, can they say, that's God? Whatever we get, our money, our talent, our gifts, our, our time, our talk, make sure it is an obed. Make sure it is something that serves the kingdom of God. Because in the final analysis, when we, when, we, when, we, when we stand before God, we want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And one of the things that I will say about black women is that they know how to produce something that serves God. You mean, what do you mean? Black women understand justice. What do you mean, Bishop? The scripture says this, that in Matthew chapter 25, that uh, people are going to stand before God and, and, and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And then he says these words, watch this. He says, for when I was in prison, you visited me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I had no food, you fed me. And they were like, when did this happen? And he said, for as much, Matthew 25, for as much as you've done it to the least of these. Here's a question I want to ask you. With all that God has blessed you with, some of you have been blessed in the midst of pandemic. Have you taken care of the least of these? If you want to know what a black woman looks like, read Luke chapter 10. Black woman is the good Samaritan. They see the broken and the hurt and they leave what they're doing. They leave their comfort and they take care of the broken. My mom is what I call a, a least of these. I remember growing up, my brother and I remember growing up, my mom came from Barbados and, and many years back in the day, she would pack a barrel about this high and and just buy all sorts of new clothes and, and, and toys and all sorts of things and ship the barrel to Barbados for who? The least of these. The least of these. Because I remember going to Barbados. The first time I went to Barbados was in 1965. I was six years old. You don't have to calculate my age. I'm 61 years old. And I, I, I remember going to Barbados, and that was back in the day when when you, when you were on a plane, you actually wore a suit because you thought you were something special. 
like, and, and so uh, my father had on a suit, and I think I, I had on a suit, and I think Kevin did. And, and I remember when we went to Barbados, I would see children walking around with no shoes, barefoot. And I was like, where are the sneakers? Where the, like, no, is this, is this for real? And my point is that not everybody is as blessed as us. And so what are you doing to bless the least of these? And then finally, black women know that God holds their future. God will give them their identity. God is a restorer. God, whatever they produce for God is to serve him. And finally, black woman, you must learn and make a part of your culture an attitude of giving God thanks. Give God thanks. Thanks. This is what I like about um, Naomi. She says in Ruth chapter 2, verse 20, the Lord blessed Boaz, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, the Lord has not stopped showing his kindness, his grace to the living and to the dead. What happened was that, that in those days, there was no welfare, there was no social security. And so basically, when they returned back to Bethlehem Judah during the harvest, the barley harvest, and then also the wheat harvest, that you kind of had to go to a certain, a, a certain person's field and you would glean, meaning that whatever they would let, basically the leftover uh, harvest, they would allow the poor people to collect so that the poor people would not starve. And so Ruth was gathering food for her, Naomi, but Boaz took, took sight of Ruth, and we'll talk about that later, and he started telling his workers to leave extra harvest back. Don't, 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 don't clean up everything. Leave some big chunks of harvest back for Ruth because of what she, her, her sacrifice for Naomi. And so when Ruth came back with all these bundles, she was like, my, Naomi was like, good Lord, woman, how'd you get all this? And when she shared that it was Boaz, Naomi lifted up her hands and praised God. This is my imagination. She lifted up her hands and praised God and said, thank God that he's still good to the living, which is us, and remembers the dead, which is my husband and my children. And my point is, is that I love what the Sunday school st students used to say. They used to say, they had this term, so where have you seen a God sighting? And too often, in this pandemic, both uh, COVID-19 and also this racial, racial pandemic, too many of us are spending more time complaining than giving God thanks. You ought to thank God. You, oh, they're making me come to work. I wanted to work. Uh, I wanted to work off site like my friend. Now, why do I, and, and you ought to praise God that you have a job. You ought to praise God that you can pay your rent. You ought to praise God that you have a job to complain about. Where have you seen the hand of God move in the midst of this pandemic? Did you give him praise? I said, did you give him praise? I said, did you give him praise? Have you spent more time whining? Or have you given him praise? And the one thing, I, I, I learned how to praise God, sadly, not from the men, but from the women. <laughs> I, I remember when we used to, we used to go to Barbados, for the service, and it was, and, and 
I imagine it was the same as Afri any of the African nations. And I remember when the music was playing, you know, uh, and, all, and, and the women would be dressing all white with their white hats, and you see them go. And I was like, yeah, okay, okay, I can, I can do this. I mean, the men would be standing straight, but the women would be dancing. And I remember going to church, and woman, uh, uh, Mother, mother uh, uh, Thornhill, uh, who was, Pastor Lorraine's grandmother, she, she would all, 90 in her 90s, and she would praise God with the best of them. And my point is this, is that, <laughs> my point is this, if you don't praise him while you're young, what makes you think you're going to praise him when you're old? So I want to encourage you to praise God. Now, here's an exercise we want to do. Here's an exercise I want us to do. What I want us to do, and this is for women only, what struck me about, about this book was in the final chapter, chapter four, the Bible says that the woman of the town, they blessed Naomi. Like they, they spoke blessings over Naomi. And, and and what I want you to do right now, I want to give you a few moments, black woman, and I want you to write a blessing on the chat line to your sisters. I want you to write how you want God to bless your sister. And, and, and let me say this. I hope you're still with me. Because some people may be offended by this whole series of me speaking directly to black women and, and, and get it twisted as if to say black women are more special than white women or Asian women, etc. So let me give you this illustration. As many of you know, my daughter had uh, sickle cell, Vanessa, and she would, she would go many times into a sickle crisis, extremely painful. And Carmen and I, in the midst of the crisis, our attention would be on Vanessa because she's writhing in pain and we're trying to make sure we help her in her crisis. But notice, Jessica did not feel like we loved Vanessa more than her. Jessica understood that Vanessa was in crisis and it was all hands on deck to the point that even Jessica contributed when she was little and as she's grown up to making sure that her sister was okay. And my point is right now, our black sisters are in crisis. They're feeling like people don't value their worth. And so they need you, white sister. They need you, Asian sister, to let's focus our attention. No, not, not for pity, but for encouragement. So I want you to write something, a blessing on the chat line to your sister. 
like the townswoman who they spoke blessings and encouragement to Naomi. I want you to write something on a chat line for your sisters in general. And then I want you to do this. After you do this, sometime during this day, I want you to write a text. I want you to email. I want you to call or even write a note and put it in the mail. A card, a note, a text of encouragement to a specific sister. Yes, it's good that we are blessing our sisters in general, but I want you to also bless a sister or some sisters. There are a few sisters in our church, their birthdays today. Instead of just simply saying, happy birthday, which is nothing wrong with that, write a blessing. Write something that you admire about that person. That put fuel in their tank to let them know that, hey, this is the day that I encourage you as my sister. Next week, we're going to talk to you, brothers, because we want our brothers to encourage our sisters also. But this week, it's sister time. Let's bow our heads. Thank you for your patience. Father, I pray for our sisters, our black sisters in these times of pandemic pain. We are reminded once again that the only reason the off, one officer was charged in the circumstances surrounding Brianna's murder is because he shot a gun. He shot a bullet in, an, in the apartment next to her, hers, which basically said Brianna might as well have just been a pillow. She might as well have been a mattress. And that is painful to say, what, do our lives matter? And then Finally, we get to celebrate a woman who possibly could end up as the vice president of the United States and the best that people can come up with, some people, is a derogatory term about who she is. And so, Lord, I'm asking you in Jesus' name that you would encourage our black sisters, our black mothers, our black daughters, our black women, encourage them. I pray long after this sermon is over, long after this day is over, that you remind them to put you first, that you have their, their future in their hands, your hands. You have their identity. You have their restoration. You have whatever they serve, what will serve you. Whatever they produce will serve you and that they have hearts of thanksgiving. As 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 says, 18, says, 16 and 18 says, and everything give thanks because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So I bless your people. And those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, I pray that they will come to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for staying with us. I know we were a little bit longer than usual, but 
it's important that you in this season be ministered to. God is saying, I see you, black, my black daughter, I see you. So I want to bless everybody. I want to say my regular blessing. I want to remind you, those of you, maybe this sermon uh, really touched some deep areas in your heart and your you're feeling like, oh, I, I wish somebody could minister to me personally. Well, we, we have some good news for you. We want to remind you that after the service, we have some virtual private one-on-one uh, -on -one, uh, Zoom prayer rooms where people will be there waiting for you to pray with you and to walk with you. This is a season we want you, we don't want you to be alone. Again, we want to encourage you, put on the chat line, Bless your black sisters. And secondly, send a text, send a note, send a call, an email to your sister in the Lord. Well, put out your hands. I want to, everybody put out your hand. I want to bless everybody this afternoon. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May he look after you, shield you, defend you, and take care of you. May the Lord make his face to shine, grin, and beam and show his pleasure on you. May the Lord be gracious, kind-hearted, pleasant, pleasant. Naomi, pleasant and compassionate to you. May the Lord show you his favor that will promote you, appreciate you, support you, side with you as you side with him. And finally, may the Lord give you his shalom, his peace, his rest, his harmony, his calmness, his composure, his prosperity, and his success. And may the Lord, in these pandemic times, remove anything that causes agitation or discord with your, his divine purpose and destiny for your life. I bless you. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and everybody say, I receive that blessing. God bless you and have a fantastic week in him and see you next Sunday.